We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. We know there's going to be advances in medicine, in science and in technology. And it feels like there's an assault on community. But I very much believe, particularly for us as a church, that we're going to see an advancement, a kingdom advancement in terms of the expression of community. And whilst um, we're in an environment where there is this, well, we call it social isolation, but I'd like to refer to it as physical isolation, because I believe that we can find ways to ensure that we are not isolated socially and that those around us are not isolated socially. So I'm coming with a very expectant position to see What's God going to do at this time? How is he going to enable us to advance kingdom? And, uh, and I'm just watching out for the opportunities that God's given. Um, just as lockdown was starting to happen, um, and particularly the airports were closing, I gave a, lift, a friend a lift to an airport, um, and um, I, I took a photo of that and put it up on social media somewhere. And an old friend that I hadn't heard for, for a long time, about four years I hadn't spoken to, just dropped me a line and said, what's going on? And I got connected with this friend who, who happens to be a nurse at a, at a hospital. And coming out of that, she spoke to me about the, um, how petrified she was in relation to the virus and the level of death that she knew that she was going to be around and her particular concerns of bringing that illness to her family. Um, and it's a, it's a credible fear. Um, our death tolls breached 20,000. Um, we've seen, I don't know how many NHS and frontline staff workers um, lose their lives to this fight. Um, so it's not like her fear was unfounded. But because I had this sense that um, God, was, God was making an opportunity, I would use this as an opportunity, I wanted to know what God's word to my friend was. And uh, there's a song, I don't know if we, we sing it here, but there's a song that I, I listen to. Um, it's called You Make Me Brave. And the refrain, the, the line that repeats over and over is you make me brave. And so I was reflecting on this and I was thinking um, in my conversations with my friend, what is it that I've got to bring to this friend? And so I shared that song with her. Um, but in sharing that song, it hasn't gone away. And so I've been reflecting on this idea that you make me brave, that, that Jesus makes me brave. And so that's what I wanted to share on um, this morning, this idea that actually it's God that makes us brave. And so one of the thoughts I've had is this act, this, this, this speak from, from, from Acts. And Peter said, still from God, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk we don't have a cure for coronavirus at the moment but what I believe we do have is a God that makes us brave and so what I think we should be sharing at the moment is the basis of our faith Nelson Mandela said I learned that courage was not the absence of fear but triumph over it the brave man is not he who does not feel afraid but he who conquers that fear I just that just happened to fly around on Facebook this week, and I'd already I'd I'd written down bravery is not the absence of fear, but the persistence despite it, and I've heard it said that actually the absence of fear is stupidity, 
Um, so I, I think when we think about these things, we, fear has a place. You know, fear to a degree keeps us alive, but it's not about living in fear, but it's knowing that if I touch a flame, I'm going to get burned. So I've been thinking about some examples of um, brave people. And um, I was thinking about um, Martin Luther King. And um, Martin Luther King, on the, on the 3rd of April, 1968, um, Martin Luther King was due to fly from um, Atlanta, Georgia, over to somewhere else in the south. I can't remember where, Tennessee or somewhere. And um, he was going there to speak to um, a refuge strike. Um, and there was a death threat on his life, a credible threat on his life, and his plane was delayed. So eventually he got to the place he was going to later that night, and he gave a speech. And uh, I want to play you a clip of the speech that, that he gave. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So he spoke about um, not fearing any man and not being worried about anything. And that, that speech was a good speech and it's been analysed, um, but it becomes particularly poignant because the next day on the 4th of April, 1968, um, he was on his, his motel balcony and he was assassinated. Um, and so that, that revelation that he had, that, that faith that he had, it didn't stop his assassination, but it meant that walking towards that, and he kind of, I suppose, maybe foresaw it, maybe similar to Jesus, it gave him the confidence to, to take the next step to do what God has given him to do. There's a, I want to tell you, I haven't checked with Abigail, but I want to share part of Abigail's story. Um, so Abigail Hayward, many of you would know, um, was unwell for many years with um, ME. And um, I remember, I've written down, it was in 2008, she came to see Judy and me, and uh, she'd, been, she'd been getting better, but was still on various drugs to help the the condition um but she said that she came to see us and she said that she had um that that god had spoken to her and she wanted to come off her drugs and that that's what god was calling her to do and and judy and i knew at this stage that that to come off those drugs suddenly would be a maybe not advisable so we encouraged her to speak to a doctor but and i can't remember if she'd done that or not but she certainly had a sense of faith um, that, that God was going to walk with her through it. And so I remember Judy and I being a little bit um, apprehensive, but also responding to the faith that she had. And so she took that move and she came off those drugs. And, and if you have a chance to catch up with Abigail, um, her story is really quite a tremendous story of God's goodness 
and provision. And uh, I just remember that faith that, in fact, she's one of the people that has a, a, a childlike faith, which I constantly always admire. And then if we, if we come back to, to Martin Luther King, in his case, the, the faith made him brave. Um, hearing God as seeing that picture made him brave, but it didn't stop it happening. And sometimes we think if we, are, if we have faith, um, then no bad thing is going to happen to us. I don't think that's biblical. And actually, if we, if we sell that gospel to people, I think that's the wrong gospel to be selling to people. Um, so let, let me share this with you. So you would have seen this, this fight, flight or freeze. These are the kind of the human responses to fear or to panic. So, um, and, and people link this to kind of evolutionary processes and how we have to fight for our lives. So in a scary situation, some people might respond by putting up mitts and getting ready to fight their way out of it, becoming aggressive or defensive. Um, another common response is to, to run away. Um, certainly when I'm working with young people around serious youth violence, I, I, I lift this up as the best form of defense. Um, if you're in a tricky situation, get out of there. Um, and then the, the other one, which is most bizarre, is the freezing um, response. You know, when you're scared like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, I remember I was in um, Southern States of America once and a family there had a, had a herd of fainting goats that if you made a loud noise, they'd all just faint and fall over. Um, a very strange response. I suppose it's the play dead response. Um, and, and these would be the natural responses to fear. But actually, I think when we hear God and God puts faith inside of us, there's a different response. I think we can be expecting rather than fighting when we are attacked or when we're in a scary situation, that we can actually surrender to God. That, that we can say, okay, God, rather than me protect myself and find my way through, I'm going to give this situation to you and allow you to take control and to make a way for me. Rather than running away, I think when we hear God, when we come to that place of faith, God would have us stand, sometimes to make a stand, but certainly to stand still, um, to hold the ground that God's given us, because we know that God's protecting, God's got our fight, he's got our battle, so we don't have to fight, but we also don't have to run away. We can surrender to him and stand in his presence. And I think rather than freeze, God would have us see we'd have to see what his perspective is in the situation so we're not frozen in fear but actually we're, we're surrendered we're standing strong and we're seeing what God wants for the situation but like I said the gospel and sometimes people say come to Jesus and everything will be all right um, I don't think that's well I think everything will be all right for us spiritually and I think that's really what counts um, but Paul spoke quite a lot about um, suffering and in in Romans he said not not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has who has been given to us see that's the the gospel that Paul speaks about isn't saying that we're not going to have suffering, um, but actually sees the benefit of suffering. 
And Paul gives a really good example of, of experiencing suffering. So in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul talks about the suffering. And this is um, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27. He says, five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in an open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and told and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. We have to make sure that we don't present to people uh, a, a gospel that says, come to Jesus and everything could be all right physically but actually paul goes on in the next chapter in in 2 corinthians 12 9 he says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness and that's god's promise to us that there may be suffering but we need not fear it because god's grace is sufficient so when we come to that point of strain of difficulty of tension we can actually look to god and see that actually God's grace must be sufficient. There must be that grace for us to access. Um, I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and perhaps they were pretty disappointed when they were thrown in the fire because they felt that God was going to protect them. And sometimes we think God will protect us from the fire, but we have to realize sometimes God protects us in the fire. And I think for us, we can get scared because what might happen to us I don't think those things won't happen to us, but I think sometimes if those things do happen to us, God will still protect us in those things. So now I'm thinking about where does, where, how do we get this faith? And Romans 10, 17 says about faith coming from hearing God. So we, a number of years ago, we, um, I think it was Debbie, um, Debbie Smith stumbled upon this book, um, Parenting Children for a Life of Faith, or certainly the, the author of the book, um, Rachel, whatever her name was. Um, it's a great book, Parenting Children for a Life of Faith. And I think that's the book that introduced us to the whole idea of catching God. So how do we hear God? If faith comes from hearing, how do we hear God? And I think the book talks about um, our senses, the five senses, touch, feel, see, hear, and taste. And we can catch God, we can hear God through any of those senses. Um, Caleb, my son, he feels God on his skin. So he's a very physical fella, um, likes to be in physical contact, um, positive or negative. It doesn't really matter. He just wants to be in contact. Um, and I remember a time that the, the children's workers were, were helping the kids catch God and we were doing the same thing at home. And, and we became aware that children's workers were particularly praying and seeking God for Caleb because other kids in, this was in Sparklers, had caught God and Caleb kept saying, no, I didn't catch anything. And uh, I really appreciate being in this community and, and the steadfastness. Um, and then one day Caleb caught God and, and the children's workers said to him, what was it like? And he said, it was a hug. God gave me a hug. And I thought that's amazing because that's the way that Caleb communicates. Whereas Bethany, my daughter, is a lot more verbal in her communication. And so she was speaking about how God gives her pictures. And I use the illustration of children because the Bible says we should come to God like children. 
And when I seek God for the children, when they're scared and they need to meet God, um, I'm always astounded at how quickly God comes and meets with them. Um, and Bethany spoke to me about the gut feeling that you just know it's God. It's just in your gut. It's different to another talking, another, another, another voice or other pictures you have. Um, so I think the gut feeling is key. Kind of that's not one of the five senses, but feeling God in our gut. And sometimes when we need to hear God, we become uncomfortable. We lack peace. We might become like a pregnant lady, you know, ready to burst or dissatisfied. And we can translate those things as negative things. But actually, if we look to see what well, actually I think God's stirring me, he's calling me to, to something else. And that's another way we can hear God. When we do hear God, um, we want to check, check it. You know, we, we look for God speaking to us to be confirmed. Um, and it might be confirmed through the, you know, a word that someone else will bring or in the Bible or settling in peace. Um, or talking to you know, wise counsel, those, those spiritually mature around us. So we recognize there is a credible threat. We want to seek God to come to a place of faith within that, understanding that God won't necessarily take us out of the situation, but will protect us in the situation. We seek God through these different ways, seeking to hear God and understanding that he's got something to say with us. Once we've done those four things and we've met with God, I think the key thing is for us to share. Um, God hasn't just called us here to survive on our own, but actually he's given us more than what we need so we can share with others. And if that sense that, that we've had about there being an opportunity, then what we have to share is whatever God's given us. Um, it might not seem great to others. It might not seem like a Martin Luther King speech, but if that's what God's given me, then that's what I can share with others. So I suppose I want to encourage you guys to take those four steps and then to share with those around you, family, neighbours, colleagues, friends, whoever they are, whoever you find yourself in front of, to share with them the things that God has given you in an expectation that there is an opportunity, an opportunity for us to seize and that you have a message of faith to bring because you know the living father. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.